Hello and welcome to Be Still Be Free. My name is Amber Miller and I'm here today with Monica Steely and Sarah Godey in our Atlanta studio. Live in Atlanta. <laughs> live in it. East Live Coast. from ATL. Hotlanta. Warmer Atlanta. It was so cold. Well, uh, it's been... It's going to be 50 something today. I know. I can go outside. For you know, they today. canceled um, school yesterday in our... Oh, they, they did here too. Did they too? really? Uh-huh. Which I was like, what? Wait, why did it get yeah, what happened? The official terminology caution. was an, an, in an o- overabundance yes. of caution. Yes. In anticipation of freezing rain because of the couple years ago, the debacle yep. of <laughs> the ice Well, situation. even just the way they handled the last snow day, I That's thought was true. fantastic. I'm just going to be honest. And people still went crazy. I know. You, know, you just you can't just make can't everybody for happy. I feel bad for the people who make that decision because you know they, they canceled school yesterday for the championship. I know. Well, now they see if they would have canceled school for the championship today, would have been, been canceled. Right. So that we all <laughs> went right. to at one. That's, right. that's right. right. That is exactly right. That's that's right. right. That's that's so tired. Yeah. yeah. We can't and talk sad. about it. We're all sad. Yeah. We can't. Anyway. For all of our non-local... <laughs> I know we have one for sure Alabama fan, so love you, Missy. Mean it. We had fun texting back and forth during the game. Oh my gosh, oh, that's fun. Oh, I can't. I promise you to say that on the podcast. Never mind. I'll tell you guys something later. <laughs> personal details, maybe shouldn't go. All of my personal details shouldn't go on the internet. Anyway, um, welcome to welcome. the episode. We are doing a series called "Be, Be Fruitful." Fruitful. Golly, it's like I've never <laughs> spoken English before. Oh, with fruit. Be fruitful. And um, that's the problem, is that we're hungry. And we have now done um, love, love, joy, and, and peace. peace. Mm-hmm. And then today, we're doing something different. Where we're doing our women of the Bible. If you remember, we did our series of different women on the Bible. Mm-hmm. And we All loved it so much. Yeah. yeah. We had such a good time Isn't doing it that crazy? we didn't want to like... Get rid of it completely. It's we crazy really that like we it. started that in 2017. Yeah, we did a whole year of it. That's a whole insane. year of it. Yeah, but it's just been so neat to like look at these real life examples yes, in totally. the word of these women that we can glean so much from. And so we were like, we could, we love the idea of be fruitful, and really felt like that yep. was where God was leading us. But we didn't want to abandon the women of the Bible because it has just it's spoken so nice. to so many people and yeah. us specifically for sure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So, um, so yeah. We're so gonna today we're going to each. Share. We each are picked a woman of the Bible that goes along with the episode that we led. Yes. yes. So, um, Monica. No, no, no Sarah. I mean, Sarah. <laughs> mm, Sarah. Yeah. I'm. I'm going to kick us off. I'm very excited. I'm doing Mary Magdalene. Ooh. Oh, we haven't talked about her yet. Not. We've no. talked about Mary, but not Mary Magdalene. Um, I mean, I did love, and so there's so many women in the right? Bible that were. Love. And yeah. I had titled mine, Love Never Fails. And so, I mean, when you think about it, like I thought about doing Mother Mary, you know, because, I mean, Lord, she had the most abundant love, mm-hmm. right, when you think about it. Um, but there were so many. And I just started doing a little research, and it happened upon Mary Magdalene. And I thought, man, um, I had three points um, the week of my series. And one was loving yourself mm-hmm. with the right perspective. Um for the right motivation. And, um, then I went through just different things about how love never fails and what that looks like. And Mary is a fantastic example of all three of those. Mm -hmm. So let me kick it off. Um, first of all, she had a healthy dose of self love in the Jewish culture of her day. Women were not held in high regard, but she saw her own value 
in the eyes of the Lord. Like she knew that she wanted to be his friend. She didn't have anything to think that she couldn't be his friend, that she could not serve him, that she could not be a disciple. Um, he healed her of demon possession. Uh, we learned about that in several places, but Luke eight, one through three talks about how she was possessed with seven demons mm. and he healed her of those um, demons. Um, and what's beautiful about this is it also shows that Jesus elevated women during this time, because um, if he had seen women the way that men were seeing women during that time, he would not have thought that she was worthy of being healed, right. that she was worthy of being his friend. Um, she would have been a nuisance. He would have put her in his place. Um, but he didn't do that. Like he spoke to women. He visited them. Yep. He had close, intimate friendship with them. He commissioned them mm -hmm. and he stood to their defense mm -hmm. and he also healed them yeah. and appeared to them first. That's right. The resurrection. That's right. That, well, and that's one of the things about yeah. one of the facts about Mary. Um, she did not allow culture, law or religion to keep her from pursuing her Lord faithfully and passionately. Uh, that would not have come had she not had a love for herself that came if she had not seen herself the way that she knew her Lord saw her. Right. Does that make sense? Because yep. she would have been a complete um, uh, prisoner to the culture of her day. And she would have been like, well, I'm just a woman, you know, well, he'll never see me. Mm -hmm. um, and so how many women sit around all day long and go, well, I'm not worthy. Right. Well, I'm not pretty enough. What if he doesn't like me? What if I fail? Yeah. Like she didn't have, she didn't sit there and have all that negative conversation with herself. Like I think we do so much of today. Yeah. Um, and she wasn't trying to follow him intimately by going and doing a lot of things and making a lot of friends and, and, looking a certain way, but she just pursued him. Yep. That was it. So again, she just had a healthy dose of self-love. Secondly, she loved with the right motivation. She didn't love Jesus for what he could do for her. Now, listen, he did something fantastic for her by right. healing her. She loved him because of her undying faith and devotion to him. She believed in his cause. He, she believed he really was the son of God. Right. She really believed in, in who he said he was. Um, so much so that she was willing to be one of the most faithful disciples. I read about uh, in several articles where it talked about how she stood beside him even more so than the 12 male disciples. Right. Stood. So good. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, right? Like true. that is, I kind of thought of her in this way as kind of Azer and, yeah. and not in a way that she was intimate with him, right? Not like a husband and a wife, but in a husband and a wife as in the church and the bride, the bride right. and the groom, yeah, right? right? Like, like she was in awe of who he was and just always ready, ready to serve and be committed and to stand right. beside him and better for worse. And she wasn't afraid of what people would say about him. And, you know, she was there during the persecution. She was there during the, um, the, the, uh, crucifixion. She was there at the resurrection. She was there during all of his ministry and she never denied him. She never denounced him. She, all these things that all these other people did. Right. You know, she didn't betray him for silver or gold exactly. or anything else. Um, and so her motivation was right. I mean, you've got to know that Jesus was not spending every waking moment with her. Right. right. But she was okay with that. Yeah. You know, she wasn't jealous of him going and doing his ministry. She, she knew what was coming and she knew a death was coming. And yet she stayed faithful. How many of us, if we knew that a friend was not going to be forever, 
would ultimately pursue that person, mm. you know, and I protect ourselves. Yeah, totally. And I find that even in our own marriages, mm-hmm. the American marriage today is all about self protection and preservation. And so we hold back and we don't pursue, um, just completely the person in whom we're married to. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. We pursue them until we're married. And once we're married, <laughs> we become walls up and, you know, we become jealous of how that other person spends his time. Yep. Beca- you know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, and so she didn't love him contingent upon how he loved her. She just loved him. Yes. Um, and then lastly, her love never failed. She was, again, more faithful than the disciples. She never left his side, even during the crucifixion. I mean, imagine sitting there watching that and how many people couldn't stomach it oh, and walked away. She didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, it, her true love didn't fail him in that moment. She stayed there by his side until he completely passed away. She didn't intervene. Right. I think about this, how many women today, when we see something happening to someone we love that we don't think is necessarily fair or isn't what we want and we're losing control of the situation, how many times do we throw a temper tantrum? How many times do we get involved? How many oh, times gosh, do we say, you right. shouldn't go to the mission field when really it's not about he shouldn't go to the mission field. It's you don't want him right. to go to the mission field. She didn't say you shouldn't die on the cross or come on, Jesus, you're God's son. Come down. Like she didn't intervene. She didn't tweet about it. She didn't tweet about it. Yeah. And she didn't get snarky or nasty or anything else. She just sat at the foot of the cross and wept and cried and waited until that happened. Um, And it hurt her. And she didn't like what she was seeing, but she knew that true love wasn't wrapped up in the circumstances. Right. Mm. She was loving for a greater cause, for a greater end, for a greater calling. Um, and even though this was Jesus, I think it's a perfect example of how we are supposed to love the people in our lives. Um, she prepared his body before his death. She prepared his body after his death. She came to put spices in the tomb, mm-hmm. um, which is when she found out he wasn't there. And she was one of the first to believe in his resurrection. Not only was she the first that he saw she was one of the first to believe, because if you remember when she went to the disciples and she said, the one in whom we love is gone, yeah. he is, he is yeah. risen. They were like, you're crazy woman. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you are crazy. Um, she believed the hard truth. And how many times are we unwilling to believe the hard truth? Because it doesn't feel good. It doesn't right. feel right. It doesn't meet our need. Again, that thing, that need for control. We didn't, can't control that person or that circumstance. Um, In her, we see what Christ is able to do for women. And I think that's really, really cool because I think we live in a culture that wants to believe that Christianity is female suppressive, right? Mm -hmm. Um, People, humanity is, is female suppressive. Yeah, totally. God showed the equality. He showed the necessity. And it is not by accident that all these women are in the Bible for us to learn. Exactly. That's right. If he was female suppressive, he wouldn't have put women in the Bible to elevate, to teach, to inspire, to be encouraged by. And we certainly wouldn't have two books named after women. That's right. Yes, right. When he first met her, she was an afflicted, tormented soul, but Jesus healed her of her insanity because when, when she was under the demonic possession, she came off as just being a very insane woman. Um, and he healed her of the uh, melodies of her soul. He made her his loyal and sacrifice. Well, I guess he didn't make her his loyal and sacrificial follower. She chose to be right. that. Um, 
And so my question is, have we been cleansed of demon-like sins? Mm. And I think mm. if we all say that we are born again, that we have all been cleansed of demon-like sins, which means we should be loving him with the same kind of love that she had. Yeah. And we should be loving others with the same kind of love that she had. Mm-hmm. Um, because we've experienced the same kind of redemption that she did. Yeah. Um, a further lesson is that of a, what a woman can do for the one who has done so much for her. This shows the importance of what a woman can do in the life of someone she loves. Once Mary was healed and saved, she practiced her faith in following Jesus and ministering to him and his disciples of her substance and witness to his death and resurrection to others. Are there not a thousand ways in which converted and consecrated women can serve the master acceptably? Mary's gratitude and love manifested itself in devotion to Christ. She owed much, gave much, loved much, served much. Has he expelled Satan from our lives? If so, are we loving and serving him to the limit of our capacity, daily witnessing to the power of his resurrection? Mm. And that was a fantastic little article that I'm going to link to in our notes that if you want to go through and just read about Mary and what her devotion to him looked like and how we should be looking like that ourselves. So, yeah. Awesome. That's my woman. Mary Magdalene. We may need to do a deep dive. I know. I I think we need more time for this. I want to hear more. (laughs) Oh, I know. Okay. So Monica. So yeah. So I, um, joy, I have joy and, um, I, there was a few different ways I could have gone. We I just can't help time. it. I know. It's, it's where? where? <laughs> Down in my heart. Where? Down in um, my heart. So <laughs> I had thought about doing it like Elizabeth and Mary because we know when they were both pregnant, yes. like there was like the outward expressions of joy. joy. And Mary's like whole song is about joy yeah. and like all of that. But um, I ended up going with a little servant girl called Rhoda. Aww, so here's Rhoda. Rhoda's story is found in Acts 12, 13 to 15. And um, the context is that Peter was in prison. Um, Herod had sent him there. And while in the night, it said Peter was asleep, chained to two guards. And an angel of the Lord came and unshackled him and unlocked the doors and escorted him out of the prison, unbeknownst to everybody around there. Um, and so Peter's just going along with the angel. And when he's released and gets out, the angel departs and he suddenly like comes to his senses and realizes what happened. And he goes straight to Mary's house, who is the mother of John Mark, where there were many other disciples and followers of Christ gathered together and they were praying. Hmm. So it was the middle of the night, but everybody was at this house and praying. So the, the scripture says in the NIV, Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening the door and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. <laughs> and everyone said, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. Mm. And at the ESV, I also loved, it said, when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported Peter was standing there. They said, you're out of your mind, but she kept insisting that it was so. And um, what I loved about that is we had talked about how joy, like joy is definitely an internal thing. It's a fruit that is grown. But everything that we see in the Bible, when you, when they talk about being joyful is the expression of joy. Uh-huh. And yeah. we talked about how like a lot, most, a lot of times it's a verbal expression and how 
Christ's words on the cross, it is finished, could have been his outward expression of joy, wow. of like just his declaration. Yeah. Um, and so I loved several things about this. I love that her joy was so full that she didn't question the joy. Yes. Like she heard his voice. She, I mean, it says clearly she heard his voice, but she did not open the door to see who it was. But she was so excited that she just like turned around and ran back in to tell everybody. Like she knew who it was just by the sound of his voice. This is just her. like Mary and Jesus. Yes. Because as soon as he said Mary, she knew. She knew. She his voice. By the voice. Uh-huh. Interesting. And she leaped in joy and went and told the disciples, he's alive, he's alive. Yeah. That's Sorry. so true. Yeah. That's so true. Um, her joy was so full that she had a physical reaction. She turned around and ran. Like she couldn't contain herself. She had to run. Um, her joy was so full she had a verbal reaction and exclaiming, Peter's at the door. Like use the hmm. exclamation points. Very excited. Um, and her joy was so full that she refused to let anyone else tamper it down. They kept telling her she was crazy and had lost her mind. They probably were even saying, you're just a servant girl. Yeah. You what know, you what know? do you know? And she kept insisting. Like she kept insisting that it was so. Yeah. And um, in the week that I did joy, we talked about how there's joy to be found in these various facets of our lives, how there's joy in community, there's joy amongst our enemies, there's joy in faith, there's joy in all these different things that I had talked about. Um, and Rhoda here displays joy in faith. And in First Peter, he writes, though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for your receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And I know that that verse is talking about Jesus, but to Rhoda, who was a servant girl, Peter was probably like the physical embodiment Mm -hmm. of Christ who had gone back up to heaven at this point. And she just simply hears his voice and believe it's him. And imagine the joy we would feel a million times more so than Rhoda if we simply believed it was Jesus when he knocks at the door Mm -hmm. and we hear his voice without seeing his Mm -hmm. face. Yeah. You know, do we know him well enough to know his voice and to be so joyful without physically seeing anything? Yeah. So I just, I mean, it's just a small, quick little illustration, but I just, I just loved all of her reactions. I loved her vivaciousness. I loved her perseverance and her insistence and willingness and vulnerability, Yeah, right? To even be vulnerable. Like you just think like we talk ourselves out of things. Mm -hmm. Oh, that can't be. Mm -hmm. Oh no, that doesn't make logical sense. Like she didn't care about logic. She didn't care about logic. She didn't care about logic. And I just love imagining. So here's where like the creative writer side comes out of me like this is what I want in heaven like I want to sit down with her or have God replay the movie of the whole scenario like leading up to that like her in a in a house where Peter's teaching and her like on the sides like preparing a meal but like really listening yeah. in and like yeah. absorbing it all and taking uh-huh. it all like, in like why was and... she like what was her personal like yeah. connection to Peter or like mm-hmm. in what ways that oh, like, yeah. he enriched her yeah. life before that moment to make her to make so her joyful that, that he yeah. returned you know yeah. that's so just interesting I love voice, that yeah. you know so that anyway voice. that is interesting um I, I just wanted to I mean when you guys think of joy is there anybody that comes to your mind specifically woman wise mm. of of the, the Bible, Bible? <clears throat> oh gosh me on the spot. I know, right? It's okay if not. We can move on. It's fine. Huh. I just didn't know. Wasn't prepared. Don't think I have an answer. Huh. Deep dive. Huh. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's how you, this we're going to feel. This, the next episode. this is not deep dive. What are we asking questions for? <laughs> Monica. <laughs> Monica. We didn't discuss that. Stay on point, please. Um, okay. Well, let's move on to peace. Okay. Yes. Peace. peace. Well, so my initial thought for peace was to do Abigail because yes. she was keeping peace with uh, or trying to keep peace with David and her yeah. husband Naaman was an idiot yep. and all that. Uh, but then I was like, oh, we did Abigail. Maybe we should find somebody different. So I like 
you know, uh, blue letter Bible, uh, Shalom, like who, what women are kind yeah. of like, you know, it's, it's with Shalom mm-hmm. mentioned in there. Okay. So this woman came up and I was like, what? Is, is her name Sarah? No. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, of course. Sarah. <laughs> so this woman doesn't have a name. She's one of the nameless women of the Bible. Um, but she is called the Shunammite woman, mm, Elisha yes. and the Shunammite yeah. woman. So let me give you this story. Um, and we can just talk about everything as we go. So the story is found in second Kings four and some in verse eight, I mean, chapter eight. Um, the woman is described as wealthy and she's married, uh, to a husband who's older. Um, she lives in the village of Shunem and she has no children. This woman got permission from her husband to set up a guest room for Elisha. He would come through the town a lot. And as he got older, she wanted to mm-hmm. provide a service for the prophet. And so they yeah. fixed up a room for him so that in his travels, he could stop and sleep. Um, and that was her way of, or she and her husband's way of acknowledging that he was a holy man yeah. of God. Do you know I almost did her for No, you didn't. Are you serious? I, I, I read her story for mine, too. Yeah. Oh, really? She, I mean, what an act of love. Oh, yeah, right? totally. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. <gasps> cool. Okay. So, um, anyway, Elisha wanted to do something in return for the Shunammite woman because she'd been so gracious to him and she kind of was wealthy. So she kind of had everything already and there wasn't really anything that he could give her. But his servant, Gehazi, Gehazi, I don't actually know. How to... G, big G, big G, Gehazi. I like Gehazi. Hey G, what should I do for her? Yo G, yo G, what should I do for this lady? <laughs> so um, he said um, that she had no children, and her husband was old, so she wasn't going to be able to have any children. So Elisha then called the woman and told her. Uh, that she would have a son. And I love her reaction Did to that. Did he call her on the phone? He called her on the cell phone, on the cellular device. And no, she, he called her in to talk to him. But she like kind of freaked out when, um, when he said that. She was like, Oh my Lord, oh man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. Like, don't even <laughs> oh, get my hopes up. Like, well, wait a minute. Maybe do she did not get my hopes up. She's like, wait a minute. Do I want to get. <laughs> well, well. <laughs> do I want to start I like this with this in. <laughs> Isn't that true? Uh, you thought this was. No, I'm just kidding. That's ugly. Kids are a reward. They're That's beautiful. Right? From God. They are life changing. So, anyway, Elisha told her she was going to be a mother. And um, like a year later, she had a baby. Nine months? Uh, maybe nine months later. I don't know. A little while later. So then like the years go by, some scholars think it's like three or four years that the baby had grown up to be like a a small child. And, um, the little boy had gone out into the field to see his father and he exclaimed, my head, my head, and then collapsed. And so the father had the son carried back to the house by one of the servants and the boy sat in the mother's lap until he died. Oh, and um, so the woman took the child up to Elisha's room and laid him on Elisha's bed and closed the door. And when her husband asked, she told her husband she was going to go see Elisha, didn't tell him that her son had died, mm. but told him she was going to go see Elisha. And he, she, and he was like, why are you going to go see Elisha? You know, it's not, it's not a special day or, yeah. you know, and she was like, no, I just need to go see him. So. Um, she took her servant and told the servant to like ride as fast as they could to go 
and see Elisha. So Elisha and Gehazi are on the top of their mountain and they see her from a distance coming, riding really quickly. And Elisha's like, oh no, there must be something wrong. Gehazi, go and tell, go and find out what's wrong. So Gehazi goes to meet her on the road and he said, um, when the man, so this is Elisha, when the man of God saw her at a distance, he said to Gehazi, his servant, behold, there is the Shunammite. Please run now to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, it is well. Wow. Wow. And the word used for it is well is shalom. <gasps> wow. Well, they just gave me children. Isn't that amazing? So Gehazi met her on the road and she could have been like, no, it is not well. The child that you got my hopes up for, that you supposedly blessed Listen, me with. We all know what a mama bear is like. Yes, yeah. right. Has now died. Uh-huh. No, no, it is not well. But she didn't. She said, it wow. is well. Then she went up to Elisha and fell at his feet and said, Please come prostate, and heal. Prostrate? Prostrate. Not prostate. Remember? Prostrate. Yep. yep. <laughs> Bell, As I feet, said it, I knew. Clinging to his feet. And Gehazi actually was like, you know, back up. Don't do that. And and Elisha was like, no, she's good. So um, she said, go and heal my son. And, and Elisha said, I'll send Gehazi. So Gehazi goes with his rod. And he's supposed to lay the rod on the boy's face to wake him up. And she says, um, no, I am not leaving here until you go with me. Mm. She would not leave. Elisha until he went with her. She was like, this is my child. You You are going to come. Yeah. So then she and Elisha followed Gehazi. Gehazi met them on the way back and was like, I did the rod thing. It didn't work. And so Elisha was like, okay, let's do this. So Elisha and Gehazi go into the room with the dead little boy and close the door and pray. Then it says, Elisha lays on top of the little boy, Mm -hmm. eyes to eyes, mouth Mm -hmm. to mouth, hands to hands. Wow. And the body, the boy's body starts to warm up. So he gets up and he's pacing back and forth. Elijah's pacing back and forth. And then he does it again. Lays on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hand. And the little boy starts sneezing. He sneezes seven times. And that's when he woke up and came back to Wow. So then, so this is the Shunammite, like, bless her heart. She's been through a lot. A lot. We're not, it doesn't mention the husband anymore, so we assume that the husband dies. But Elisha tells her a prophecy that there's about to be a famine and that she needs to take her son and go and stay with the Philistines and live there um, for seven years because it's about to get bad. So she goes, she takes her son, they go, and then seven years later, she comes back and all of her property has been given away because she basically abandoned it. Mm-hmm. So she has nowhere to live. No husband to take care of her, a child to care for, and nowhere to go. So she goes to the king. And as she approaches the king, Gehazi happens happens to be standing there talking about the miracle that Elisha did with her son. And she says, that's me. And I now have nowhere to live. And the king says, we'll give you back your land and all of the um, harvest that we collected over the last seven years will be given back to you. Holy wow. cow, I never knew that. I, don't, I didn't know yeah, that part either. Part. Yeah, it's in um, chapter 8. So what I find so cool about this is, first of all, the whole shalom. Like yeah. the peace yes. that she had because God did a miracle once. He gave her the child to begin with. That was the first miracle. Yeah. So then when it all fell apart, when she acknowledged the reality of her circumstances, right? She didn't pretend like everything was fine because right. it was not. Mm-hmm. She acknowledged the reality of her circumstances, but still she trusted in what God had done before, knowing that he would do it again and, and had that peace. Mm. That's that inner shalom. Mm-hmm. Um, then 
I love how um, in the end, like when she kind of lost everything again, right? She had an opportunity to freak out. Yeah. But instead she acknowledged her circumstances and went, and this was the relational yeah. part of peace, right? She went to the king. She didn't go to the house and try and like throw everybody off of her land. Right. She went to the proper method and that's the arena piece, mm-hmm. right? right? That's the relational piece. Mm-hmm. And so um, she had that shalom first and then because of that shalom, she was able to go to the king and have that arena piece hmm. and say, like, this what this yeah. is what's happened, and I need you to do right by me. And the Lord wow. followed through. And that's so that's cool. That's awesome. I thought it was really, really awesome. That too. is really awesome. Well, you know, and it just goes to show you, like, how many times, and we were talking about circumstances, um, her peace her shalom was not rocked by her circumstances Mm -mm. right and how many times does god give us something that seems to be a blessing and then he only gives us trial with it throughout life right he allows trial um you know i think of kids you you know it gives you kids and then yet you're tested by them or a spouse you know a spouse yes and so you think um well you know why would god give me something only to dot 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 and Again, you know, peace is not contingent upon our circumstances. Right, right. Well, and I think, too, like, it's important to acknowledge um, the the spiritual growth that takes place in us mm-hmm. changes the dynamic of the fruit of the Spirit in yeah. our life. For mm-hmm. example, like, she, the, her response to Elisha when he first said she was going to be pregnant is, like, don't lie to me. I, like, yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah. You're not... Yeah. That, that can't be right. Yeah. But then the second time when her, she lost her son, she said, I'm not leaving your presence yeah. until you come with me because I know what God has done through right. you. Yes. I've seen it before. It's so true. You know? And so her spirit, you can see the growth of her spiritual life and the fruit of the spirit in her life is different that second time than it was the first time. Yeah. That's and that's so true, true for us too. Yeah. You know, like we're not always going to have this like supernatural peace not right. all the time right because sometimes we got to go through something hard and let god show his way through it before right. we really believe it yeah you know oh, so sure. i feel like that we do have permission to like see ourselves grow through something yep you know yeah, yeah. i love it good stuff right. love the ladies it gives a whole new like perspective to that song it as well that's mm-hmm. what andy said because you know that you know the basis of that yeah. song mm-hmm. and how it was um suffering that, yeah, really intense suffering from the songwriter um, who lost his wife and child, I believe, at sea. Uh, a few children. A few, mm-hmm. yeah. And Andy, but Andy said, I wonder if the wording from that actually came from that verse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Makes you wonder. It does make you yeah. wonder. Because it's um, when peace like, like a, river a river attends mm-hmm. my, way. my way. Isn't that interesting? And then how about that saying that peace is like a river? Yeah. yeah, it is. Which is from Isaiah 48. Mm-hmm. Um, you would uh, your your peace would have been like a river, your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Mm. So, there you go. Good stuff. Women of the Bible. Women they of the always Bible. Have something There's to teach so us. many. Yep. They're so amazing. They're so good. <sighs> yes, I hope that um, our listeners have enjoyed this, and we have enjoyed it. That's so right. hit yeah. us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the places, all the things. Um, if you if you like to have more like conversational. Uh, stuff going on with us please join our be together community yep. group or message one yes. of us and we'll add you uh, we really love to talk to those ladies on there it's our little special group yep. it is with. really great and you can get a link to that on um, our website uh, for today's episode just go to the bottom in the notes and you'll have a link you can just click over and ask to join www.bestillbefree.com
All right, everybody. We'll see you next week for the conclusion of Love, Joy, and Peace and our deep dive. Bye. Bye.